Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known by forever, daddy. Oh, how we love you so. I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, who's excited for the Word of God this morning? Yeah, amen, amen. We've been, we've been doing a series called the what? The World Series, amen. We've been going through the book of Genesis. We want to find out how God created us, what He created us for, and how He intended everything to go down, amen? And so we've been in the middle of that. Listen, I just came across this thing I want to share with you. There is an animal in Asia called the ermine. You can look it up, ermine, E-R-mine. It's a little white animal. It has this beautiful white fur. And the thing about this animal, it loves to keep its fur totally clean. Right? It's a beautiful white little fur. It looks like a ferret, like a weasel. You know what it is? And it, it loves to keep itself totally, totally clean. Okay? Now, because of that beautiful white fur, it's very attractive to hunters and, and traders, right? They'll catch it to skin it to keep that fur. Here's how they catch it. They find these ermines, they live in these little caves, right? These little clefts of rock or tree. And so when they find one of those clefts, what they do is fill it with dirt and grime. Then they release the dogs to find the ermines, to send them out and find them. They know the ermines are going to run home. When they run home, the ermine will come to his house and see that it's dirty and he will not go in. See, because to the ermine, purity is more precious than life. Here's my quote this morning. The true Christian ideal is not to be happy, but to be holy. Amen. Here's another quote. No man shall desire to be happy who is not at the same time holy. He should spend his efforts in seeking to know and do the will of God, leaving to Christ how happy he shall be. Wow. Holy, not happy. Amen? That's kind of twisted from what you hear, right? From a lot of pulpits, from what you hear from a lot of ministries. Happy, God wants you to be blessed, super blessed, and then some blessed. Live any way you want. You can have your best life now. God is calling us to be holy, amen? And so we've been going through, right at the beginning, we've been going through the first six days of creation. And we talked about how, how even nature declares the glory of God. We've been talking about all these little animals that defy evolution. And, and you know, I love the emails I've been getting from you guys. That's awesome. But in Genesis 2, it says, On the seventh day, because God ended His work, He rested, He blessed it, and He sanctified it. And so the seventh day, come on Gary, should be holy. 
And to, to show us how much that mattered to God, he, he, he made it into the commandments, right? It should, you, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. And there's so much debate about the Sabbath. And so I, I wanted some help today to kind of give some teaching on the Sabbath because there's so much debate about the Sabbath. People say, well, if, if God said the seventh day was the Sabbath and on the seventh day he rested, we should be having church on Saturday. How many of you heard that? Right? There's a whole denomination and a whole movement of churches that meet on Saturday because in order to keep the, the Sabbath. And you'll have people who say, well, if you have church on Sunday, that's, that, was, that was changed by this church and that church. And they'll, you know, you'll you know, get a whole lot of history involved. But the bottom line is they'll say, if you're having church on Sunday, you're not holy. And you're against God. And God will have no part with you. And so I don't know about you, but stuff like that, when I read that, it, it bothers me. And, and if, if, if I didn't understand and if we didn't go and delve and get into really the word, I'd, I'd have an announcement next week saying, listen, we're switching our services to Saturday. Because the bottom line is I want to do what God wants us to do. Amen? And that should be your hearts. You, your heart should be like, well, if that's what God wants us to do, that's what we're doing. We're switching to Saturday. Amen? Right? So I wanted us to really get some understanding about the Sabbath. How many of you know, right, if we get equipped, amen, God wants to equip us so that we could understand and so that we could also defend what we believe. Amen? So please welcome Pastor Gary as he brings some teaching on the Sabbath. Amen. So I'm going to read again Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 and then I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 20 verse 8. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Exodus 20 verse 8. This, was, this is from the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your maid, manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And we know that the seventh day is Saturday. And today, thousands of years later, the Jewish people, they go to the synagogues on Saturday because the word says that God rested on the seventh day. And they believe that the seventh day, the Saturday, is the holy day. What does that mean, the holy day? In the Old Testament, God set aside one day of the week, which is a Saturday, and said on this day, you need to, to rest. Your body needs to rest. You need to stop working. And not only do you need physical rest, but God said, this day is holy. So this day you're going to dedicate to me a day of prayer, a day of the people of God getting together, sharing the word of God. Then in the New Testament, as the church was formed, it says they met together on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. 
the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead, and that's where the controversy is. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Do we follow the Old Testament where you go to, go to worship God on Saturday and this is your one holy day? Or do we come together on Sunday? There's a denomination that tells us that if you worship on Sunday and not Saturday, that you're not a real Christian. Does it, well, what about it? There's the controversy. But I'm, I'm going to go to the next step because, see, we can't, we can't get our arguments all from the Old Testament. So I want to see what the New Testament says about it. What does the New Testament say about the Sabbath day? So I'm going to ask you to turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. And this is a key New Testament verse that tells us about the Sabbath. It says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Jesus Christ. In other words, God is not so much interested in a day to find rest and a day to make holy. See, that was the Old Testament reality. In the Old Testament, if, if the priest was going to worship God, they couldn't just wear any clothes. They had special holy clothes that they only wore to worship God. When, the, when they were cooking in the temple, they had to use separate pots that they had set apart. The Old Testament was all about a day. It was about a thing. It was about something set apart for God's use. It was about a place. Back in the Old Testament, you couldn't just worship God at 2 o'clock in the morning. You had to bring your sacrifice, go to the temple in Jerusalem, and the priest would stand before God in your place. That was the Old Testament reality. We got this holy day. We got this holy man, the priest. We got, the, we got these holy clothes. But see, the New Testament gives us a greater reality. The Old Testament points to something even greater. Everything in the Old Testament, it points to something greater that was to come. It's only a type. It's only a picture. It's a glimpse into the greater reality. Because God was never interested in only having a day for us to be holy. A day to find rest. Here's what God has really been looking for all these years. He's looking for a people who he would set apart and make holy. And that people are you. It's not all about a day. The scripture I read in Colossians says, Don't judge someone because they worship this day or that day. I'll tell you one thing. My greatest worship time sometimes at 2 o'clock in the morning. God is interested in a people. He's called you out of the world. He's separated you. And he has made you holy. God is not interested in one day to find rest. 
I don't know about you, but I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and the enemy, the devil, is pressing on my doorstep and saying, you're not going to make it. You'll never pay those bills. You'll never get anywhere. I don't know. I can't wait to Sunday or Saturday to find rest. I got to find a way to have rest right there laying in my room. Three, four in the morning, I call upon God, saying, my rest is found in him. It's not anymore about which day, this day, that day. But it says the greater reality is found in our Savior, in the Master, Jesus Christ. Alice Walker, who wrote The, the Color Purple, she said, anyone can observe the Sabbath. But making it holy surely takes the rest of the week. I'm not interested in people coming to church Sunday and acting holy and putting on their Sunday clothes and they know how to talk and carry the Bible and quote scripture. And then they're an undercover devil the rest of the week. See, God's not interested in that. God's looking for a holy people. You see, the, the true fulfillment of the Sabbath is found in Jesus. Not a day, but a lifestyle in a person. You see, he's all that I need to have rest. Just as we heard before, he's the great I am. He's everything that I need. And my trust is not in a day. My trust is not in a holy man. I don't put on the holy clothes. My trust is, is, is in him. In, my trust is in God alone. My rest is in him. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I, I will be your Sabbath rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. See, it's not enough just to have a day to rest your body. And I believe that's a biblical principle. I believe we do need to set a day apart. Where you do need to rest that throughout the Bible. That's true. But God has more than that for you. There's rest for your soul, for your mind. All those tormenting thoughts, all those difficulties, all the things that press against you. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will be your peace. I will be your joy. Hebrews chapter 4, again, I'm, I'm looking in the New Testament, starting in verse 6. It says, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. 
Now if Joshua had, given, had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. See, this is going back to the Old Testament. Those of you who have been reading through the Bible, have been reading about the Jewish people, the Israelites. They wandered through the desert, but they were never able to enter the rest of God. Never able to find the peace of God. Because, see, this message is not for everyone. You know how some people say, the whole world, we're all God's children. That is a lie. You are, God, you are not born a child of God. The Bible says we are God's children through adoption. You see, before I was a Christian, I had no rest at all. When I was young, I was an Orthodox Jew. Where in the yarmulke and the prayer shawl and going to the synagogue and praying three times a day. I went to a Jewish school to study to be a rabbi. And every Saturday, I wouldn't work. I wouldn't do anything. And guess what? I never entered God's rest. With all the kosher food I ate, and all the fasting, and all the work, I tried so hard to please God, and I was never good enough. So you know what I did? Finally, I just said, forget it, and I walked away from God for many years. At one time, I used to, in college, I used to write papers trying to prove that God did not exist. Why? Because I was tired. I kept trying to do everything to make God happy. It was never enough. I tried, oh, maybe if I give more money to the poor. Maybe, maybe if I pray more and nothing changed. And finally I said, I give up on this God stuff. Until years later, when I found the Prince of Peace, I found Jesus as my Messiah, as Lord. And that's when I found rest for my soul. You see, the Israelites, they kept the Sabbath. But, but they were disobedient and rebellious against God. See, if that's you, you're not going to have rest for your soul if you say, nobody can tell me how to live. I do what I want to do. The, what is the word saying? Don't be like those people. Why? Because there's a rest that remains for you. There's a rest that's waiting for you. Joshua in the Old Testament, even though they went into the promised land, they never entered the peace of God. They never entered the rest of God. But what, what is the Lord saying? But you, you the church, there's a rest waiting for you that remains for you. Now what does that mean, rest? There's a word called grace. And let me tell you what grace means. It's the unconditional love and acceptance of God. 
It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, grace is freely given. It's unmerited favor and the love of God. There's no more room for shame and condemnation. In other words, I'm accepted by God. No matter... I can't buy God's love. Don't listen to those guys on TV. There's nothing I can do to earn the love of God because he already loves me. He accepts me. He's not angry at me. And that's why I can find rest from my works. All those years of trying so hard, trying to make God happy and nothing ever worked. But now I can rest in the presence of God. You know what it says in the book of Isaiah? That even the best, when you're at your best, it's still filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. In other words, God doesn't love you because you're doing a good job. God, God doesn't love the person who, who just came to him today any more than he loves the pastor. Because it's not by works. God doesn't love me because of what I do, but he loves me because I have his son in my heart. And I don't have to work anymore to please him. I rest in his unconditional love. Can you imagine that? That the creator of the universe, he's in love with you. He's not angry at you. If you've got Jesus in your heart, you, the Bible says that God sees you as his perfect one. Now, he's not fooled. He knows we all mess up. He knows we're all sinners. He disciplines us. He changes us. He loves us too much to leave us in our mess. But he loves you. He accepts you. Because man looks on the outward appearance. But God sees that your heart. He sees that you love him. He sees that you're willing to come out through the snow, through the cold. Just to worship him. We have nothing here to give you except him. And still you came out. You see, that pleases the heart of God. He, he loves you. You don't have to work anymore to please God. But what happens is that when you take hold of how much he loves you, how much he did for you, I, you can't help but doing good works. You don't do good works in order to earn God's love, and then you walk around, well, I didn't pray enough this week, so God's mad at me, I'm not going to church. The Bible says God's arms are wide open. When you mess up, don't run away from God. Don't stay away from church. That's the time you need to come. He says, come unto me, all those who are weary heavy laden, if you're burdened, if things are weighing on you, there's a God that loves you. And there's a second meaning for the grace of God. Not only can you rest in God's love, but you can rest in God's faithfulness and protection. You see, God's on your side. He's your protector. He's your burden bearer. He's your fortress. 
when they can't pay the bills. I know that there's a God that, that it's his heart to provide for me. When I'm tormented in spirit, there's a God that brings healing. That's the grace of God in your time of need. Whatever you need God to do, he'll show up. I, I want to read these two scriptures. It's a long scripture. But, but you need to hear this because this is a timely scripture just given what happened yesterday in the news. So I'm going to start with Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3, and then 7. Fuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. As a Christian, you don't have to fear the earthquakes. You don't have to fear the tsunamis, because right in the midst of it, the presence of the living God is with you. The Lord of heaven's armies, he's with you. He's your fortress. And this, is, this psalm is a little long, but I want to read it. You need to hear this right now. Psalm 91, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Then I declare about the Lord, He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. How many of you need to hear in this time of all kinds of flus and plagues that God says, I'll protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. People from other cities call and say, don't go on the subways. I got a, I got a word from the Lord that terrorists are coming. Stay out of Manhattan. I quote Psalm 91. I will not fear the terror of the night. I'll walk anywhere God sends me. And as long as he goes with me, there's no fear. He, he will cover you with his... Oh, I'm sorry, verse 6. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. There's no, no more fear, no more anxiety. Because the, the God of the armies of heaven, of the hosts of heaven, that word host means the soldiers that live in the spiritual realm, the, the angels that come and follow you. They surround you, they protect you, and the enemy cannot touch you. Tell them about it, Janice. Come on to me, all who are weak and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Let's make a great exchange, for my plans for you are best. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Submit to me, resist the devil, and see him take flight. 
Humble yourselves in my sight and watch me lift you up freely. Your soul on wings like eagles run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not be faint, for I will renew your strength. Put your trust in me, I will give you life of long length. Trust my word, it will never return to me voided, for it will accomplish the desire in which I deployed it to. Though a thousand may fall at your side, it will not come near you. Your heart pressed but not damaged, persecuted but not abandoned, perplexed but not hopeless, struck down but your spirit, it ain't broken. Don't you know that he that is in thee is greater than he that is in this world? For your weapons are not carnal but mighty, and pulling down strongholds and fighting in the spirit, demonic gimmicks that try to come at you in my image. Stay alert and take your stand. Put on my armor with the sword of the spirit in your hand. The belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Your shield of faith will extinguish the flaming arrows of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and pray in the spirit. For you, your brothers and sisters who need it, that when you open your mouth, you'll speak boldly and fearless. For I did not give you a spirit of fear. Are you hearing this? I will keep you in perfect peace for putting your trust in me. That's the word of the Lord, Isaiah 26, 3. Amen. You see, there, there was a man named the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And the Bible said that there was a thorn in his flesh, something that tormented him. We don't know what it was. The Bible doesn't say. It could have been a sickness. It could have been all the oppression by, by the enemy everywhere that he went. People try to stop him. They try to kill him. And he went to God and said, I can't take this. He said, you got to get rid of this thing. I can't deal with it anymore. And you know what God said? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You might not believe this, but I'm not as gangster as I look. You see, I fooled Bird even. But guess what? I am totally weak. I can't make it on my own. I've been in ministry for many years, praying, going to conference after conference, traveling the world for Jesus, and I'm totally weak. I can't make it one day. But what does the Bible say? Thank God for your weaknesses. When you feel weak, when you feel you can't make it, you can't take it anymore, there's a Sabbath rest for you. Because in your weakness, God's strength, it begins to rise up and you can make it. I, I, I want to tell you something that happened to me years ago. When my daughter was a little girl, I, I was going through one of the worst times in my whole life. And one day I was walking with her. She was about five years old. And I got in the middle, I got in the street, I stepped in the sidewalk, and I stopped walking. I said, I'm not taking one more step. 
I can't go another place. I'm done. I'm all finished. Forget it. It's all over. And I just stood there. And you know what my daughter did? She took my arm and she pulled it and said, let's go. And that's the grace of God. When you can't go anymore, you can't go one more step. When you feel totally weak and helpless, there's nothing you could do about that family problem, that financial situation, that illness, whatever it is. The grace of God comes in your weakness, in the place where you can do nothing. And God will come like, a, like my daughter and he'll pull you the step by step. And he'll bring you out of it into his glory. You see, but that, that's what it takes. It takes him. It takes his strength. So if you're feeling weak today, oh, I don't have my spiritual warrior thing going. I'm that armor thing, it's not working for me today. I'm so weak. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you're in the right spot. Because right in your weakness, you're going to see the power of God. He's going to rise up and he's going to destroy your enemies. You see, there's no shame to say God is my hiding place. So what we're going to do now is move into communion. And while they're passing out the elements. But let me explain to you why we're taking communion today. The elements of communion. We have the bread and we have the grape juice. The bread or the cracker or the matzah. It symbolizes Jesus' broken body that was whipped. That was tormented. That was broken. And the Bible says, by his beatings, by his whippings, we are healed. Because he was beaten, he took those blows that he took. Those are the blows that should have come on you. But do you know that when you go through the storm, through the difficulty, when, the, when life is beating down on you, Jesus is there taking the blows, taking the whipping for you. He did it all. What does that have to do with Sabbath rest? You see, if he carried the weight of the world, if he carried all the sins of the world, all the evil of the world, if he carried that on his back as he sat on the cross, how much more can he carry you? Can he help you in your time of trouble, in your weakness? When you can't make it, you have no, many, no idea how many times I've had to minister, get up to preach, when I felt like I got nothing. I felt empty, unworthy. You have no, many, no idea how many times that I felt I shouldn't be the one up there. And every time, as soon as I get the microphone, God says, I will be your strength. I will be the word that flows through you. And more than anything else, I will be your righteousness. And I rest in that. In the beginning, I had so much turmoil. 
Who am I to represent God, to speak the word of God? And now I just rest in the knowledge that he has made me holy. And I want you to rest in that same knowledge. Because the God is not a respecter of persons. So God loves us, all his people, the same. And that love, the Bible says, it's stronger than fire. Many waters cannot quench it or put it out. The love of God is stronger than death. How many of you can find rest in that today, knowing that he's with you? So I'm going to ask you right now just to take the bread Was every, is anyone you haven't been served yet? Okay, we still have a, peop, a few people in the back. While we're waiting, let me tell you about the grape juice. It represents the blood of Jesus. Jesus shed his blood because life is in the blood. And he gave up his life in your place. See, that should have been you hanging on the cross. Because every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has fallen short. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. In other words, every one of us deserve to die. You read those Old Testament stories where people rebel against God. The ground opens up and they fall in right, and went right down to hell. That's what we all deserve. Because we're all sinners. We've all messed up. But the blood of Jesus is greater than your sin. It's more powerful. It washes your sin away. There's grace and mercy in the blood of Jesus. God shows his love through his blood. And these, this blood, it covers over your sin, takes away your guilt and shame. So that we can be right before God. There's nothing between you and God. And that's why at 2, 3 in the morning, when there's no pastor to pray for you, you can just come before God in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the trouble, and say, God, I worship you. And the Bible says that God... He lives in your praises. When you start to praise him, he begins to show up right in your bedroom. See, it's not about waiting for Sunday. I need God way before Sunday. If I had to wait for Sunday, I'll tell you the truth, I would have been dead many times. And I mean that literally. If I had to wait for Sunday to find God, I need him when I'm driving my car. I need him when I get bad news. I need him all week, and that's what the Sabbath is all about. Can you just praise God for that, that there's a Sabbath rest that's not about a day, not about a place, but it's about the man, Christ Jesus. See, everybody got? See, Jesus took the bread, and he broke it. And he turned to his disciples. He says, this is my, represents my broken body. Jesus took the blows and he took death in your place so that you'll never have to be separated from God. 
And he said, do this in remembrance of me till I come, because there was a cost. See, this stuff wasn't free. God gave his life so that we can have rest and freedom. And we need to live like that. You see, before you're about to sin, before you're about to rebel against God, take the bread and remember, remember the cause, remember his love for you. So, Father, we just thank you for your son. We thank you for his broken body, Lord God. And we just partake of it. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just eat the bread together. There's healing in the blood of Jesus. There's mercy. There's grace for you. And in Jesus' name, I just plead his blood over your situation. I plead his salvation. I plead his rest, his power, his healing over you, even as we partake of it. And God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let, let's take of the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to stand right now. I, I just hear the heart of God weeping over many of you, over your situations, over your difficulty. There's many of you here today, you came carrying a burden. There's things weighing on you. Things in your family, things in your job, things in your finances, things in your emotions, things going on in your mind, voices that you can't stop telling you that you're not worthy, voices of shame. Whatever it is you're going through today, I, I, I just, just as an act before God, because I, I just hear the voice of God just as we heard in the song saying, come. I just want to invite you to come and stand with me in the presence of God. If you're saying, I need God today. I'm going through a situation. I'm going through something in my life. And I need God to do something. I'm going to invite you forward. And I believe he's going to touch you today and give you rest. He's going to give you peace today. We want to minister the peace of God on you today. So right now, if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to come. You see, that's me. I, I need peace today. I, I'm desperate for God. See, I'm going through situations in my life. Sometimes it feels like I'm not going to make it. I, I need God to give me rest. I, I believe there's many more of you. Let's get real today. You need peace in your home. You need peace in your mind. You need Jesus to come today as your Sabbath. It's not about Sunday. It's about the presence of God coming. And I believe he's going to fill your heart today. So I'm going to ask for those who are in leadership to come, those who are in the pastoral team, on the prophetic team, but we're not going to do warfare right now.
I just want you to minister peace to the people of God today. Just minister rest for their souls. You see, if, if you can learn to trust fully in God, there's nothing that can stop you. There's nothing to hold you back. So, Father, I just thank you right now, God. I thank you for your people today who stand here burdened, Lord God. Some of them weary. For some of them, the night is long and dreary, Lord God. For some of your people here, Lord God, they're sleepless nights. And I, I just released Jesus today upon you as your Sabbath rest, as the one who loves you, as the one who gives you peace. So as we worship, we're just going to pray gently for you right now. This is not, we don't want to hear screaming right now. And I love all that. If you want to hear that, come tonight. Tonight there might be a lot of shouting and craziness. But right now, we just want to soak in the presence of God. We just want to rest in Him. So let's just begin to speak life over the people. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.